You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. My name is Greg Jackson. I'm a PhD holding historian, a professor, and the creator of History That Doesn't Suck, a podcast that makes legit, seriously researched American history come to life through entertaining stories. Join me for a chronological telling of the United States story, from the revolution to fractious civil war, tenacious inventors, brave reformers, and more. With more than 100 episodes, you can already binge listen your way from 1776 to the early 20th century. Listen to History That Doesn't Suck on Spotify. Hello, everyone, and welcome to History of the Second World War, Episode 14, The Great Depression, Part 4, Unemployment in Germany. This week, a big thank you goes out to Brent, Daniel, Brendan, Victor, and Rob for their support on Patreon, where they now get access to special ad-free versions of all of these episodes, plus special Patreon-only episodes released once a month, like this month's episode on the Treaty Cruisers, which were created after the Washington Naval Conference of 1921. If that sounds interesting to you, head on over to historyofthesecondworldwar.com members to find out more information. In most of the nations that we discussed during these Great Depression episodes, there were economic problems caused by the global economic crisis known as the Great Depression. There were monetary shortages, deflation, unemployment, and other issues. But for the most part, these problems did not spool out into drastic changes within the makeup of society. Changes did occur, for sure, and they were changes that we will continue to bump up against for the remainder of the episodes discussing the events of the 1930s. But in most cases, these changes were a matter of small shifts in how nations viewed or interacted with both their domestic and international economies. This was, however, not the case in all nations, and in some there would be complete shifts in the political landscape, which were not always directly caused by the Great Depression, but the challenges presented by the Depression would influence those changes. This was true in the nation we will focus on today, Germany. Now, before we go any further, I am going to say that this episode will be tightly focused on just one area of the German economy, unemployment, and how the German government reacted to the problems of unemployment during the Weimar period. This episode will not really touch on some of the wider political and social events that would occur during this period, which culminated, of course, in the events of 1933. We will be spending plenty of time on those events starting just next episode. A good introduction to the topic of this episode of unemployment in Germany during the 1920s and 30s is this quote from Dietmar Pritzina from The Extent and Causes of Unemployment in the Weimar Republic. Quote, Although the problem of unemployment was not peculiar to Germany, in no other country was such an explosive combination of societal collapse and political instability produced, which was to influence the course of history in such a fateful way. Now, part of the reason that Germany was ripe for an unemployment crisis was related to how the economy had been structured after the First World War. The war itself had ravaged the German economy as more and more time and effort 
and materials were poured into trying to win a war that would eventually be lost. These issues were exacerbated by the Allied blockade, which caused some goods to simply vanish from the German market and those of other Central European nations. Then after the war, the nation was for many months cut off from establishing new economic relations with any Western nations. And in the East, the turmoil of the Russian Civil War and the Polish-Soviet conflict made any economic activity difficult in, in that area as well. Once these economies then recovered, the inflation began. And before it was over, Germany would not just experience inflation, but hyperinflation. This resulted in an economy in which all money became essentially worthless within a matter of days, sometimes within hours. There are stories of German workers being forced to spend all of their salary immediately, because if they waited even a few days, it might drastically reduce how much they could actually buy. Inflation would eventually slow, but not before Germany was irrevocably changed by its effects. One thing that did not change was that Germany was heavily dependent on foreign investments and loans to try and grow the economy. By the late 1920s, the economic situation in Germany had improved and was at least stable. There were many signs of growth, which then encouraged some foreign money to come into the country, which helped to cause more growth. Things were going well. As long as everybody was investing in Germany, believed that things could continue to go well, it looked like things would continue. However, the entire structure of the German economy was susceptible to disruption, and not just domestic disruption, but also anything that would inhibit the flow of foreign capital, like, say, a global economic crisis. As soon as the crisis began hitting other nations, it would then hit Germany, and the German economy would spiral out of control. By the middle of 1931, the government was forced to call for mandatory bank holidays, just to prevent further bank defaults. In terms of unemployment, it seemed to increase, almost without end. Now, when discussing unemployment statistics throughout history, even up to the start of the First World War, there's always a challenge. Part of the problem was the lack of general desire by governments to collect and determine statistics, but in direct relation to unemployment, part of it was due to how unemployed workers were viewed within society. Up until the Industrial Revolution, there was a general feeling that the people who were unemployed and could not find work were in some way just doing it wrong, that it was in fact their fault that they were stuck in such a state, either through laziness or, or whatever else it might be. Because of this, there was a general pressure upon those who were unemployed to hide that fact, and on the government to be generally less concerned about whatever happened to those individuals. This mindset did slowly change, with a more modern approach to unemployment being found after it was generally realized that in modern capitalistic societies, there was often very little that an individual could do to escape unemployment in many circumstances in which unemployment happened. However, this change in mindset and the eventual changes in public policy that it would cause would not be fully cemented until decades later, when many workers who became unemployed started to become more politically active. By the time that you get to the revolutionary years of 1917 to 1920, there was a strong correlation in the minds of many more conservative parties and politicians between the condition of unemployment and the development of political radicalism. This would contribute to two changes that would occur. The first was that there was a wave of change to unemployment legislation in many nations, as the moderate and left-wing political groups gained enough control to push through some level of reforms, if only to placate those individuals who were unable to find employment, and to prevent them from feeling forced to turn to more political radicalism. The second was that many nations started to become far more concerned with determining exactly who, 
how many and why people were unemployed. Even in the relatively good periods during the mid to late 1920s, there were still many Germans who were not employed. The economic issues that were experienced in the post-war period had caused many progressive changes that had been made during and after the war to begin to come under fire. Then, when the Depression would hit, there was growing pressure to try and turn back the clock on some of these shifts, like a move of more women into the workplace. Working women in Germany were already experiencing discrimination in the workplace. They received less pay, they had less job security, and they also faced hiring discrimination. On top of these issues, there was also a growing feeling among some Germans that working women were in some way stealing jobs away from other workers, of course male workers. These feelings were not just privately held beliefs, but would instead be discussed openly in public all over Germany from time to time. This mindset was rooted in traditional gender roles, that a woman should be a mother and should be responsible for taking care of the home, the man should be the one to go out and get a job to support his family. However, just like in every other nation, the modern economy made no such distinctions as it sought workers. Now, these feelings were rooted both in a general misogynism, but also just a search for anything that was different than what was seen before in the good old days when the economy had been healthier. The general discrimination against women also extended into unemployment statistics, with the primary way of gathering statistics being the information gathered from the trade unions. Working women were heavily underrepresented in the trade unions, which were almost entirely populated by men, and this meant that it was very difficult to know exactly how many women who were seeking jobs could not find them or had lost jobs and were now out of work during the Weimar period. This means that the official number of unemployed workers in Germany, which was around 1.6 million in October 1929 and then 3 million in the early 1930s, before it peaked finally in 1932 at 6 million, which was roughly a third of the total working age population of Germany at that time, is a number that is probably underrepresenting the actual number of people unemployed in Germany at the time, because it underrepresented both women and also like seasonal agricultural workers. Agricultural workers and other seasonal workers have, for the last century, been, been the thorn in the side of unemployment statistics and attempts to provide unemployment benefits. This was because in a seasonal role, it was possible that when the seasonal job naturally ended, there were expectations that the next season, the job would be available. But then after several expected months of being off the job, only then would the worker actually find out that their job would not be returning for the next season. In these cases, the workers were often outside the window in which they would be eligible for government-sponsored unemployment benefits, which caused some serious issues for these seasonal and agricultural workers all over Germany. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential, and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own? With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. 
How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. In a time of mass unemployment like was being experienced during these years in Germany, there was a demand for action from the government. But just like every other government, the path for the German leaders in Berlin was not exactly clear. During the worst years of the Depression, Germany would be led by Chancellor Heinrich Brunig, a, a member of the Center Party and Chancellor from 1930 to 1932. Brunig believed that the best way to bring Germany out of the Depression was through a policy of deflation. He wanted to get the cost of goods reduced so that they were cheaper to both individuals and businesses, and he wanted to get wages down so that businesses could better compete in the export market. And he wanted to make sure that through all of this, the government's budget was balanced. Brunning also believed that a government-financed work creation program would do more harm than good for the overall German economy. He also believed that such a work creation program would result in inflation, and perhaps drastic inflation, which was something that many in Germany greatly feared, given their experiences with the hyperdeflation that had occurred in the 1920s. There was also the general understanding that such a program would have to be financed through the increase in government debt, and likely an ongoing budget deficit, both of which Bruning wanted to avoid. I do want to be clear that just because I'm focusing on Bruning here does not mean that these ideas and programs were not favored by large groups within both the German government and among German citizens. He was put in the position of chancellor, and he remained in that position for two years for a reason. He, he did have some support. Many of the strategies that Bruning pushed for were also mirrored in other nations that we've already discussed. The British government also rejected a public work creation program for many of the same reasons as the German government. They both believed that it would not solve the economic issues that caused the unemployment in the first place, and would instead just balloon government debt for no gain. The French government strongly embraced a deflationary strategy during the Depression, for many of the same reasons that Bruning did. However, what Bruning failed to properly realize was the drastic chasm between what the government of Germany could afford and what the German people would accept. This chasm existed in other nations, but the difference was always far less. The only way for the German government to balance its budget was to drastically cut social welfare programs, like those that provided unemployment benefits. Then as more people became unemployed, tax revenues fell, and more cuts had to be made. This left many Germans unable to support themselves or their families, which would eventually push them into desperate positions. Bruning's decisions would have many consequences, and millions of Germans would feel that they had been abandoned by the government in Berlin. As always, the lower classes would bear the brunt of these problems, and among them, younger workers were the hardest hit, at least in terms of mindset and morale, if perhaps not monetarily. After about 1929, the job prospects for young Germans who were exiting school every year was incredibly grim. There were also many more people who fell into this group than at any other point in German history, because the years before the First World War had seen a massive increase in the birth rate throughout Germany. This could be considered one of the causes of the First World War, but that's a long conversation that is not fit for this episode. These individuals from the pre-war cohorts were entering the workforce during this period of economic hardship. One example of the problems that they were experiencing can be seen in the traditional apprenticeship-driven trades. 
Many apprenticeships had evaporated due to the difficulties of supporting the industries that had previously provided them. Even those individuals who were able to find and complete an apprenticeship during this period quickly found that there was not enough work for them, and instead industries were shifting to a greater utilization of unskilled labor. The situation was even worse among industrial workers. The drastic reduction in industrial employment and then the reduction of wages that was forced upon the workers by deflation caused many families dependent on industrial employment to slip into poverty. The problems that the situation caused were not limited just to the workers themselves and also affected their entire families, as children who were in school lost many opportunities for further education, and education budgets around the nation were slashed to the lowest possible amounts. While these issues caused important physical and concrete issues on these groups, it also caused a serious drop in confidence and belief in the future. For parents, this was driven by the inability to provide for their families, sometimes the inability to make sure that they had the barest necessities of life. For their children, it was driven by living in a world where everyone around them was in poverty, and there was seemingly no hope of an exit from that poverty. The story of Germany in the early 1930s is one of increasing political radicalization, and these desperate economic circumstances for millions of Germans was one of the core reasons for that radicalization. This radicalization would eventually lead to the events of 1933, but before those events occurred, it would first lead to a splintering of the political landscape. After the First World War, German politics consisted of small parties on the left and the right, and then a very large concentration of support for parties that were in the center. These parties, with the center and social democrat parties being the largest, were the key coalition that brought Germany out of the very challenging time immediately after the war and it was their concentration of support that prevented a larger German revolution from occurring. However, as the Weimar coalition continued to be in power, and then the overall situation in Germany did not greatly improve, the support for the more moderate parties began to wane. As Germans sought more radical solutions in more radical parties, they did not all come to the same conclusion about which version of radical was the correct one. This resulted in more radical parties on both ends of the political spectrum gaining support with both the Communist and the National Socialists both seeing drastic increases in support during the Depression. Here is Conan J. Fischer from Unemployment and Left-Wing Radicalism in Weimar, Germany, 1930-1933. Quote, Calamitous economic collapse, a short rise in the level of unemployment, and an upsurge in political radicalism occurred simultaneously in Germany during the early 1930s. On the political right, these splinter parties, small liberal parties, and to a large degree the conservative parties saw their voters switch to the National Socialists. On the political left, the Republican Social Democratic Party had their votes decline, whilst the revolutionary German Communist Party had their votes increase. I should be clear that unemployment was just one of the many contributing factors to this shift in political support. It was a very complicated movement to which there's a whole host of reasons, but unemployment was one of them. As with many other nations during the Great Depression, the unemployment that it caused would simply amplify and accelerate pre-existing movements and emotions within Germany. It did not cause the genesis of those movements and emotions, but it would cause them grow. When looking at the effects of the Depression on a global scale, there are several worldwide themes that become clear. The first is that it would cause many nations to retreat into economic isolationism, as they sought to insulate their domestic economies from what was happening around the world. 
The second was that it caused massive waves of unemployment and economic distress, as each nation would attempt to weather the economic storm in the best way that they thought they could. The third is that it caused a whole generation of people all over the world to question the status quo. And in some areas of the world, this questioning would have wider consequences, especially in areas where there were already serious doubts about the direction of the nation. As Patricia Clavin says in her article, The Great Depression in Europe, 1929 to 1939, quote, It is important not to oversimplify the relationship between economic misery and political radicalism. However, in much of Central and Eastern Europe, the coming of the Depression seemed to validate all of the criticisms made of the democratic systems by those on the right and the extreme left, end quote. In retrospect, there are certainly things that we know today which could have been done to ease the crisis. One example of this is that we know that the deflationary tactics used by nations like France and Germany were not going to have the successful outcome that they hoped. They, of course, did not know this outcome, and so in a period of great economic distress, they retreated back into the economic orthodoxy which had served them so well for decades. Unfortunately, instead of fixing the problem, the deflationary tactics just caused more deflation as everybody became incredibly paranoid about investing in anything which caused economies to further slow. Another example of these incorrect decisions is the failure of many governments to confront the banking crisis which was happening around the world. Banks failed everywhere, and this caused consumer and business confidence to greatly diminish, which caused bank runs and, and defaults, all events that caused economies to further grind to a halt. There were things that governments could have done to shore up the banks. There was the possibility of international actions to try and make sure that national and regional banks did not fail. The capital was available, just not in the right places. However, this would have required some nations, probably the United States, Great Britain, and France, among others, to put aside national differences and economic disagreements to instead come together and provide a unified front of action, a unification of purpose that simply was not possible. There are also some items that often get mentioned as effects of the Depression which may not have really happened. For example, there's a pretty widespread belief that mortality rates increased during the Depression, the statistics during this period are, are not perfect, but there's not really any recognizable increase in mortality rates and overall life expectancy around the globe. There are certainly specific groups of people who experienced hardship and perhaps an increased mortality, but it's not an overall trend. It is, however, possible that other trends hide any increase in depression-related deaths. Here's an excerpt from Life Expectancy During the Great Depression in 11 European Countries by Tim A. Bruckner, Andrew Neumer, and Ralph A. Catalona. Quote, It is possible that constraints on risk-taking during economic recessions probably reduced mortality among individuals who did not lose or suffer severe economic shock. These averted deaths may have counterbalanced any increase in mortality attributable to job loss or impoverishment. End quote. So that's kind of where we're going to leave the story of the Great Depression for now. It was a story that encompassed the globe and would run throughout basically the entire 1930s, as many nations would not fully recover from the Depression before the war began. But moving forward in the podcast, for our purposes and, and for our story, we're going to dive into the details of the events inside just one nation in the middle of the Depression, and that nation is Germany. 
The events that occurred in Germany in the early 1930s are a complex and weaving story, and their outcome was in no way inevitable. And while they were not caused by the Great Depression, they existed within it, and they were certainly affected by it. So I hope you will join me next episode as probably the most famous, or infamous, individual of the entire story of the Second World War finally enters the podcast.